Good morning. How you doing today? You good? Good to see you. Years ago, uh, it was about Christmas time, and I joined some friends at a nursing, uh, nursing home, local nursing home, to spread some Christmas cheer. We do that here with the Brookside Ministry. Some of you are familiar with that. So we showed up at this nursing home. We sang Christmas songs. We handed out gifts. After all the singing was done, after Santa showed up and we handed out gifts to all the residents, we had some time to actually sit down with some of the, those older men and women to hear their story. It's a special moment, right? I mean, for me, the singing is fun, the gift's fun, but to sit down with somebody and just hear their story, it's just a cool moment. And uh, this year we were doing that and uh, had a very interesting conversation with a very old man, and he was talking about his life, he was sharing a story, uh, this man was a Christian, and he had even spent some years on the mission field, and he's telling me his life story, and suddenly he gets really serious, he looks me in the eye, and he says, I have a lust problem, I was like, what? He said, I have a problem with lust, and I didn't know what to say, I mean, first of all, I was kind of hoping that struggle went away at a certain point in life, and I'm thinking, man, you got a lust problem, there's no hope for any of us, you know, and so he's, he's like telling me this, and I don't, I just, so I comforted him, I said, uh, is there anything that, that helps, and he says, well, I've got these sermons on cassette tape, for those of you who are you know, teenagers, a cassette tape is, a, it's like a plastic square, and it's got, ask your parents. <laughs> he said, I have these sermons on cassette tape, but my cassette player is broken. I said, oh, that's, that's too bad. Has somebody looked at it? Like, is there, you know, is it possible it could be fixed? And he invited me into his room, and I was looking at his cassette player, and it, it was broken. I couldn't fix it. And, and in the course of this, you know, process, he tells me that his diaper needs changed. And, uh, you know, I'm a pastor and I like to help people, but I do have like a point where I, like, you know, I'm like, he's like my diaper needs to be changed. And I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to do? And at that moment, a nurse walks into the room and I'm thinking, I think my time here is done. And I was like, thank you. You know, I'm praying for you. And he looks me in the eye again and he says, he goes, you know where I am and you know my problems. <laughs> well, we are talking about the topic of lust today. And uh, welcome to Hope Community Church, you know, if you're visiting with us. Maybe you wish you were at Dunkin' Donuts this morning, I don't know. <laughs> lust isn't a topic we normally talk about. And um, even as I was surprised to kind of hear that come up in a normal conversation at a nursing home, we can be surprised to hear that topic come up on a Sunday morning at church. And, um, you know, if we just look at, at our world and at culture, if we're honest, this, this issue of lust is just all around us. Um, you know, I was watching the Super Bowl with my family and my five-year-old daughter, and halftime show comes on. My daughter loves to dance, and I'm like, eh, not like that, baby. <laughs> But, you know, there, there are, you know, just like, just like my friend I met at the nursing home, there's some of us today, and, and there really is a battle being waged inside 
of our hearts. And for some people today, this temptation is, is very real. And we have guys in this room today and even this weekend when, when everybody was away, you were on your phone, you were watching something. You don't think anyone knew. We've got women in this room today who are married to men. Men who have an addiction to pornography. And it's destructive to the intimacy of a marriage relationship. We've got moms and dads in this room. You're worried about your, your children. And we have teenagers in this room. You know, the number one consumer of internet pornography is 12-year-olds to 17-year-olds. Did you guys know that? The average age of first exposure to pornography is around eight or nine years old. So moms and dads, aren't we concerned for our children? I am. My number one counseling issue as a youth pastor, I did that for 10 years for high school and middle school boys, was pornography. And it was increasingly the girls too. And so as people who care about the next generation... We're saying, what can we do to protect our children and our teenagers from the destructive and damaging influences of lust and pornography? So we all listen to this message from from different angles. If I can encourage you today, if you're in this battle, if this issue is tearing you up, Jesus knows where you are, and he knows your problem. And isn't it amazing that in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wasn't embarrassed to talk about the issue of lust? We shouldn't be either. And so we come to the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bible, open it up. Matthew 5, we're in verse 27. And uh, we've just been going verse by verse. So we're going verse by verse. If you want to know what's coming up and you're like, oh, I don't want to be, okay. Check out what the topics ahead. Just kidding. Don't do that. Um, no, but Jesus is going verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. And we're in a section of the scripture where Jesus is talking about issues in our heart. Christianity is a matter of the heart. And he's giving us six examples of a greater righteousness. It's, a, it's an inward heart righteousness. Not just behavior modification, but this inward righteousness. And last week, uh, Phyllis did a great job... She, she showed us the first example, and it's anger. Remember, Phyllis talked about anger last week and how um, Jesus speaks to the anger in our heart. Um, this week, we're looking at the second example, and Jesus is going to tackle the topic of lust. And once again, he's going to go to the heart. So let's see how Jesus handles and deals with this issue of lust. We're in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 27. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown 
into hell. Let's pray, and we'll, uh, we'll look more closely at this today. Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you that you speak to the issues of the heart. And uh, as we come today, God, there's so much happening in our hearts, and you know where our heart is at. And I just pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word. God, teach us how to deal with these issues in our heart, issues like anger and lust. And I pray that we would see the victories that are possible through Jesus Christ. In your name, amen. Uh, Just a a couple of points today. Uh, The first thing that I see in this passage as I'm looking at it is that Jesus gives us a serious standard for sexual purity. So we're going to start by looking at, at this standard. It's a serious standard. And Jesus quotes the Old Testament here. You look down at verse 27. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said. He's quoting the Old Testament there. You shall not commit adultery. Now this was well known to the people at that time. You shall not commit adultery. Does anybody know where Jesus was getting this command? Ten Commandments. Yeah, this is the seventh of the Ten Commandments. So it was a well-known command. And the idea here is that a married person should never have a sexual relationship with anyone other than his or her spouse. And that's a serious thing. Uh, Adultery destroys the marriage relationship. And it's such a, a serious sin that in the Old Testament, God actually says that the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. This is serious stuff we're talking about here. Leviticus 20.10, Deuteronomy 22.22. Now I think this command that Jesus points to here in verse 27, he's pointing to that, those ten commandments. I think it's important because it fits with what the scripture is saying about sexuality. And this command here, the seventh commandment, pinpoints the place of sexual intimacy within the marriage relationship. And I just think in the culture that we live in today where there's so much about sex and sexuality, it is so important for us as followers of Jesus Christ to understand God's view of sex and sexuality. And and it really starts with this, kind of what this command is leaning us towards, is that sex is for marriage. And by the way, God is for sex and marriage. Some of you missed your shouting moment there. You can shout inside. I guess that's all right. But God is excited about the passion between a husband and a wife. It's good. He blesses it. Because of the bond and the intimacy that it creates within the marriage relationship. See, God created sex and he created it to tell the story of his covenant love. So we're going to have these conversations as a church. We're going to have these conversations with our children. Just like Jesus has the conversation with us. Because of the preciousness of sex. It's worth guarding. It's worth protecting. It's worth saving yourself. It's worth celebrating in the context of a marriage relationship. That's God's heart. 
So what that means for us is a serious standard. In our culture today, it is. It would be considered a serious standard. And, and it's a serious standard of, of godliness in marriage. Godly marriages and godly singleness. Let's put, put this up. Serious standard here. It means sexual purity for those who aren't married. That's godly singleness. And it means faithfulness to one's spouse for those who are married. Godly marriage. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. People should only have sex if they're husband and wife. That's what Jesus is saying. It's God's view of sex and sexuality. I just think everybody is there hearing this from Jesus. You've heard that it was said. I think they would have been nodding their heads. I think they would have been saying, yeah, we agree with that. We have that standard. Back in that day, different culture, they would have had that standard and they would have been saying, yes, we agree with that. We agree with that commandment. I think a lot of people might have been, you know, patting themselves on the back. Haven't done that. And yet Jesus calls us to an even more serious standard, doesn't he? And then he goes on in verse 28. He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He drops the spiritual bomb. It's like, yeah, I was doing pretty good. And it's like, boom. <laughs> this is a serious standard of sexual purity. And, and I think what Jesus is saying here is that it's not just not committing adultery out there that's the standard. Jesus is saying it's also not having an adulterous heart. It's also not committing adultery in the heart. It's also not having fantasies about sex with people who aren't your husband or your wife. He's calling us to a purity of the heart. And so he says, anyone who looks at a person lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. How many of you know there's a difference between looking and lusting? We can't always control what we see or look at, right? You're at the beach. Right? You're, you're at a beach in Mexico. <laughs> Been there. You can't always control what you see. You're online, something comes up. You can't always control that. You can't always control what you look at. Sorry, you can't always control what you see, but you can control what you look at. And lust usually isn't the first look. Lust is the second look. It's the third look. You know, my, my old pastor used to say, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. I don't know where that came from, but I love that. And we just all need to know that temptations do come. You see something... Now, sometimes it feels like that bird flying over your hair, head is like, you know, like, look out, you know, like, don't drop anything. You can't always control what's flying over your head, but you can control what builds a nest in your hair. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's calling us to a higher standard, and it's a purity of thought, and it's a purity of heart. I love this. Um, this is later in Matthew. Jesus says, out of the heart... Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality. 
So it's not just that you don't commit adultery. It's not just that you're not engaging in sex outside of marriage. What's serious for Jesus in the area of our sexual purity is not just the purity of our body. It's the purity of our heart. Do you guys see that today? Remember in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart. And that's the beauty of what God wants to do in your life today. He wants to create in your life a pure heart. And so he calls us to a serious standard of sexual purity. He also gives us a serious strategy. Jesus calls us to a serious standard, and then he calls us to a serious strategy. You're like, Jesus, are you serious here? I mean, it's some extreme measures. Down at verse 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. We'll be having an altar call at the end of service. <laughs> Sorry. We're talking about lust today. I gotta just, I just gotta stay, you know. Okay. Um, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. This is serious stuff. He is talking. See, he's giving us a serious strategy for sexual purity because the consequences are serious. And he says if, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And not just cut it off, right? He says throw it away. Like, make it so you can't even put it back on again and use it. Throw it away. Cut it off. Get it out of your life. It's the seriousness of what he's talking about. Reminds me of a story. Back in 2003, there was a, a climber named Aaron Ralston, 27 years old, climbing around in Canyonlands National Park in southeastern Utah. And um, climbing around by himself, he was in this narrow canyon, that's the canyon, and uh, he, he put his arm into a crack in the rock, and as he was doing that, something crazy happened. Uh, an 800-pound boulder shifted, and it pinned his arm to the canyon wall. And, and he tried everything he could do to get his arm free. He used his ropes, he, he just tried everything, and he couldn't get free, and he was all alone. After a couple of days, his food and water ran out. And there was no, I mean, this is in a remote area. There was no one to help. After four days, five days, he pulled out his video camera and he recorded a message for his parents. He ended up carving in the rock with this dull pocket knife his name, Aaron Ralston. And he put the date of his birth and he put what was certain to be the date of his death. And above it, he put R-I-P. Still there. You go and see it. He was certain he was going to die. Right there on that mountain. After trying everything, he did the unthinkable. He turned his body in a way to break the bones in his arm. 
And he took his pocket knife and he severed his arm from his body, stayed conscious, and was able to make a makeshift tourniquet. And he got out of the canyon. He never would have lived if he would have stayed in that canyon. He certainly would have died. Sexual sin is a deep, dark canyon. And if you stay in that canyon, it will kill you. And Jesus is talking to us today about taking extreme measures. Cut it off. Throw it away. Let's put that scripture up again. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Sexual sin is serious. It's so serious. Jesus says, people will go to hell for sexual sin. It is so serious. Jesus hung and bled on a cross to forgive us of sexual sin. It is so serious. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we could put it to death. And I just want to say this thing we're playing with, this thing we're engaged in, this thing that our culture says really isn't that big of a deal, is killing us. It's like an 800-pound boulder that will pin you down. It will trap you. It'll steal your joy. It'll steal your life. It'll steal your soul. It's killing marriages. I found out half of all divorces, so we're talking about Divorces, but half of those divorces report pornography as one of the issues in the divorce. That's the destructiveness of pornography in a marriage relationship. If you're not married, you don't want to bring that into your marriage. It's killing our children and our teenagers. And our view of sexuality and the beauty of what God created for good. It's killing our relationship with God. So what Jesus says is, Aaron Ralston, cut it off. Throw it away. Get it out of your life. He's calling us to a serious strategy for sexual purity. Let's pull up that verse one more time. It says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Is Jesus saying we should literally cut off our arm and throw it away, poke out our eyes, throw them away? No, he's not saying literally do that. If Jesus was saying literally cut it off, none of the guys in this room would have eyes or arms. (laughs) So he's not speaking literally, but he is speaking seriously. And there is no more serious strategy for dealing with sexual sin than the cross of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more radical that you can do with any sin, the mess in your heart, than to bring that to the cross of Jesus Christ. He's calling us to a serious strategy. And if you're looking for freedom today, if you're looking for a clean heart today,
you don't have to look any further than the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't cut off an arm, but he allowed it to be nailed to a cross, didn't he? He didn't lose an eye, but he lost a life. He lost his life for us. And as, as he hung there on that cross, bleeding, dying, crowds would laugh, they would mock him, and they would say, save yourself, come down from there. Jesus never came down. He stayed on that cross. Do you know why he stayed on the cross? He stayed there because of you. He stayed there because he loves you. And he stayed there because only in Jesus is God's radical grace for the forgiveness of sins. So if you are battling, if you're in this battle today, there's nothing more radical that you can do with your life than to come to the cross of Jesus Christ and to lay down your life and to confess, confess your sin and to say, Jesus, please forgive me. Please change my heart. Please change my life. And that is the power of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's forgiveness and freedom and healing. So he's calling us today to a serious strategy. What is that serious strategy? Number one, a serious strategy is to come to the cross and confess your sin. I love 1 John 1.9, which says, if anyone sins, it says that Jesus, it says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, and I love it, to cleanse us from some? No. Cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. There is no sin that's too big for the cross of Jesus Christ. And so that's a serious strategy to come to the cross and confess your sin. Say, Jesus, I need help. And to confess that sin. few more ideas that are, are practical. Number two, um, share your struggle. Share your struggle. Sin loves to grow in the dark. And, and it grows very well in the dark. And one of the most serious things we can do to have victory over our sin is to share our struggle, to bring it out of the dark and into the light. That's radical. It might feel like cutting off an arm, but it is your doorway to freedom is to share your struggle with someone. Some of you are here. You're, you're young. You're a teenager. You're, you know, you've, you've seen something or you're looking at things. And I want to challenge you today to talk to your mom and dad. Moms and dads, I want to challenge you not to freak out. <laughs> we want to be a safe place, right, to have those conversations. Some of you are here today. You're in this battle. Victory isn't found in isolation. Victory is found when you share your struggle, right? find another man, find another woman, find a mentor. You can do it and you can be free. Come to the cross, share your struggle. Number three, get help. Help could be a friend that holds you accountable. Help could be one-on-one -on -one counseling. Help could be a support group. But get help. If you're in this battle, get help. There's a great ministry here locally called Harvest USA. And uh, some of you know Dave White. He's spoken here before. 
Harvest USA is an awesome, awesome ministry. And uh, what I love about them is they, this is from their website, they offer biblical counseling and support groups for men and women who are struggling with a host of sexual sins and sexual sufferings. So this is a local ministry. It's free. It's a ministry. And they're going to help you. They're going to give you help. And all you got to do is ask. Get help. You can do it. You can be free. Right? Get help. Number, f- number four, do whatever it takes. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Just do whatever it takes. Filter the internet. Get rid of the stash. Um, cancel the premium cable. Kick the bird out of the nest. And say, you know what? You're out, and the word of God is in. You guys know Psalm 119, 9 and 11? How can a person keep their way pure? By meditating on your word. So we're in, that bird's out, scripture's in. God is in. Jesus is in. We're changing our patterns and our habits. We're going to do whatever it takes. And I just want to say freedom is possible through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. So as we uh, wrap up today, just a summary. Jesus calls us to a serious standard of sexual purity. Jesus calls us to a serious strategy for sexual purity. Because this is serious. Coming to the Lord's table and... um, and I just appreciate you know, some of the songs we sang. Because what we want to remind you today, especially, you know, this is such a picture of the cross, of what Jesus has done. We want to remind you today that you are deeply loved. And that's what this table represents. It represents forgiveness. It represents transformation. And um, it represents hope and healing. And so we want to invite you to this table today. It's a picture of the cross. For those of you who are new at communion, one thing we want to do when we come to the cross is we want to confess our sin. As we come to communion, we want to, um, to say, Jesus, this is what has been going on in my life, and I'm sorry, I confess my sin. And we lay it before him, and he takes that, and he gives us forgiveness. And that's what this moment represents. I talked about um, purity of heart, and Jesus says that in the Beatitudes. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. But do you notice that's not the first beatitude? What's the very first one? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And that's how we come to the table today. This is, God, this is Jesus' blessing and his change process. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? Through the cross, Jesus has given you his righteousness and we receive that and then he says blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God so we come to the table we confess our sin why do we confess our sin have you ever asked that doesn't Jesus know what we've done why do we have to confess it what I'm realizing is that confession isn't about information God already knows what we've done But a transformation is taking place in our hearts and in our lives when we say, I messed up. I have sinned. 
And get this, when you see like God sees, you have the power to begin to do what God says. And that's the power of this moment. So let's pray and um, prepare our hearts for communion. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you did the extreme. You did the radical. You bled. You hung there. You lost everything. You dealt radically with our sin so that we could simply come and confess our sins. And your word promises us that you're faithful, you're good, you're just. You will forgive us of our sins and you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we come to this table, the, uh, the bread that represents your body broken for us, the cup that represents the blood that was shed for us, and a new covenant, a new relationship with God, I just pray that we would experience a deep cleansing of the soul. I pray for those who are in this battle, God. I pray that they will come poor in spirit, that they will call out to you for help, and that they will take tangible steps for freedom and victory because we are dead to sin and we are alive to God. And that's the truth of this table today. So bring hope and healing and restoration, God, because we need it. Give, give us clean hearts, Lord, so we can love you and serve you in the beauty and the passion of holiness. And we ask that in Jesus' name.